Section 61 of Egypt, Africa, and Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Fana Jahangiri. The World's Story, Volume 3, Egypt, Africa, and Arabia, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 61. The Oasis of the Great Grandfather. Latter part of 19th century by Gilbert Watson. Athman was in a state of high excitement. We were due to arrive at the oasis of his great-grandfather in the course of an hour. It was the second day after our departure from Maghir. We had camped on the preceding night at Netza ben Rezik, which being interpreted signifies the place where ben Rezik died. Who the temporary possessor of this name had been or what he had done to merit renown, Athman was unable to inform me. My charitable guide, however, was fully convinced that the deceased gentleman had passed a life of the greatest sanctity and was in every way worthy of the candle which we presented to his tomb. The ground over which we passed was sacred soil in the eyes of Athman, not a hill heaving itself out of the dun monotony, but held memories for him, not a village or clump of palms shimmering in the glare, but whispered to him of the past. A tiny oasis called the Mother of the Falcons was pointed out to me with great pride as belonging to a distant relative, a place where he, Othman, had spent many happy days. A well in the desert known as Enkarna, or the Well of the Fig Tree, was hailed with ejaculations of affection, which, be it confessed, came perilously near to tears when he discovered that the familiar fig tree was no more. It was, however, upon his home, the oasis of Zawiyet, Riba, that Othman lavished the pent-up tenderness of his heart. O oh, Sidi, he cried, to think that in one little hour I shall see it again, the dear oasis that I remember so well. Oh, it is beautiful, but so beautiful. Uh, imagine to yourself the dome of the holy tomb, as it were a bubble of camel's milk floating in the air, and behind the fresh green of the palms. Oh, my great-grandfather's palms. You call them his steel, Othman. But certainly, city, since they belong to him. But he has been dead so long. It matters not, he gesticulated with animation. They are still his. Listen, I will tell you the story of them. When my great-grandfather died, he left many palms, for he was rich, and this was what he said. I leave all my palm trees, firstly, to the upkeep of my tomb, secondly, to give hospitality to strangers. City, these were his very words. Oh, it is a very beautiful idea. Uh, although that he still feels hungry, how kind that is, how like my great-grandfather. Athman's face glowed, his voice rang with enthusiasm. In a little while he spied the oasis, unrest seized him. Nothing would do but that he must dismount and assist Abdullah to urge on the baggage camel, who, it must be confessed, was inconsiderately lazy that morning. When that unaccountable animal utterly refused to quicken her steps, having no such incentive to exertion as an expectant tomb, he was all for mounting again, being convinced that where he but perched aloft as before, he could effectively spur the progress of the party. Then as though to pass the lazy pacing time, he took to feverishly counting on his fingers. On deux, trois, etc. But every time he reached the number five, he stopped and scratched his head. In answer to an inquiry, he replied, My presence, Sidi, my presence. Oh, I hope I have enough. Presence, I ejaculated. What presence? He turned on me a reproachful eye. For my relations, of course. 
I hope I have forgotten no one. It would be sad to forget even a little one of whose birth I knew nothing. Hmm. Groped in the hood of his burnous and drew from thence a parcel. Opening this, he submitted the contents to my inspection. Isn't that pretty? He held a tiny looking glass at arm's length. It was circular, set in red leather. A flap covered the glass. I expressed unqualified approval. Athman was delighted. It is for my aunt. He chuckled with gusto. How she will cry out with joy when she raises this flap and sees her own face and this and this and this. One after another, he dangled before my eyes a variety of articles. A bag of camel's skin covered with cheerful embroidery, a chain of beads that absolutely winked in the morning sun, a charm for the cure of a stomach ache, wrapped in emerald green silk of so delightfully mysterious a nature that even to see it was to be seized with longing to explore its philanthropical contents. Magnificent, I cried. I should think so, he assented, nodding his head gravely. I know they are beautiful because I am sorry to part with them. We were by this time come to within a short distance of the oasis. Among the palm trees, the dome of a marabout's tomb was to be seen, covered with the usual whitewash. It shone conspicuous in the sunshine. Athman had become silent, but his parted lips and active eyes told of the feelings that glowed within him. They are perhaps working in the fields, he said at length, his voice scarce raised above a whisper. Even as he spoke, I caught sight of a man engaged in irrigation. A primitive who was in his hand. His hake was kilted round his waist. His naked feet splashed in the muddy water. Atman, shielding his eyes from the sun, gazed at him intently. It is uh, Omer, he cried in delight. Hello, Omer. Omer. The man, quitting the little patch below the palms, sprang to the pathway. The hoe fell from his hand. He stared at us open-mouthed, like one who sees a ghost. Aloui! he screamed, and without another word he wheeled where he stood and set off running toward the village. Othman laughed aloud. <laughs> he is my cousin, he explained in a voice tremulous with satisfaction. He has gone to tell them that I am here, but how he has grown! I, I would I would not have believed it. Did you see his beard? Oh, he, he's a fine fellow. That is his garden. What healthy trees, yes. He, he was always a worker, all silly. Is it not all beautiful? Did not all tell you true? Mind you, how slow these camels are. I long to be there. Quicker, quicker. And leaning down, he beat the animal's neck with his open palm. Gently we swayed along the narrow pathway. On either hand we were shot in by mud walls topped with the prickly points of palm leaves. Before we had gone far, the village came into sight. At the same time cries were heard, and a crowd of men came racing to meet us. Othman was out of his saddle in a twinkling. The crowd surrounded him with glad shouts of welcome. They caught at his hands at his burnous, and when that fell off, at his hike. Not a soul but clamored for his attention. All spoke at once, no one waited for a reply, the noise was deafening. Atman was tossed among them like a cork on an agitated sea. But he enjoyed it, his black face turned this way and that, radiating happiness. He kissed one, embraced another, reached an enthusiastic arm over three intervening shoulders and clasped hands with a third. 
Joy was universal. It was indeed a red letter day for the tribe of Pensala. At length we turned our steps villagewards. Atman, surrounded by relatives, walked in front. An old man leaned upon his shoulder. Omar still retained possession of his hand. Hemming him in, marched others, listening open-mouthed to his words and replying in chorus to his eager questions. Hovering upon the outskirts of the procession were children in a state of excitement and nudity. These little people listened for the sound of his voice, which, when heard, so filled them with joy that they felt themselves forced to turn somersaults in the dust. Even Abdullah joined the ranks of admirers. The camels and I followed modestly in the rear. My tent had been pitched as usual beneath palm trees on the outskirts of the village. Seated within it, I waited the return of Athman. Zawiyat Ribah had received him unto itself. The narrow lane that plunged into the labyrinth of mud huts had swallowed not only my popular guide by the entire crowd as well. The camels and I were forgotten. These patient animals, hobbled for the night, stood disconsolately, each on three legs, more than ever persuaded that times were out of joints and that the terrestrial globe was by no means a planet fitted for the habitation of camels. The scene was deeply penetrated with the sentiment that haunts the approach of night. Across the tender spaces of the sky flew flocks of little birds. They came from the desert in search of the water that lay beneath the palm trees. As they passed overhead, I could hear their glad twittering and the rhythmic beating of their wings. Other sounds, too, broke upon the ear. From somewhere deep within the oasis came the noise of a camel's roar. The weird melancholy cry stirred into consciousness the strange feelings connected with faraway lands. It voiced all that was unfamiliar in my surroundings. Suddenly the beating of a drum attracted my attention. It came from the direction of the village. Feverishly it throbbed, seized and throbbed again. As I listened to it, a laborer passed silently on naked feet. His coarse hike Tilted to his knees, revealed the naked brown of his limbs. The level sunlight splashed him with stains of fugitive color. For a time, the scene before me was radiant with luminous green and gold steeped in transient glory in which the stems of the many palm trees glowed like flames in a dark sanctuary of shadow. Then all at once, everything grew wan and gray. A veil of mystery fell from the sky, only on the far horizon over dim spaces of desert a thin line of light told of the sun. The sound of flying footsteps aroused me. It was Othman. Breathlessly, he burst into the tent. Oh, Sidi, he panted. Come quickly. Where, Othman? To the village, of course. There is a feast tonight in my honor. His manner was full of self-importance. Come, Sidi, come, he entreated, holding the tent flap open to its widest. I have told of your great kindness to me. My uncle desires to thank you himself. All my relations will be present. Also many friends. I wish to present them to you. I have told them that you are a prince in your own country. A prince? I cried aghast. Osman chuckled at my surprise. <laughs> but certainly, Sidi, they are ignorant people. It is necessary to impress them. They will do you much honor. Besides, if they think you are a prince, they will be very pleased that I am your guide. And moreover, the feast. Oh, my you. That is worth seeing. The women and children are making cuckoo now. Many fowls are to be killed. Then, city, there is a negro from the south, a black man, with a droll turban and a drum. It is most fortunate that he is here today. He will make you die of laughing, for when he beats his drum, he dances and sings all at the same time. He's doing it now. We were all looking at him. 
in the streets in front of my uncle's house. Oh, please come, Sidi. He may have finished by the time we got back. I shook my head. Despite the heartiness of the invitation, I made up my mind to refuse. The presence of a stranger, however well-intentioned, could not but impart a touch of restraint to, to so purely domestic gathering. They would, I felt assured, enjoy themselves better without me. For long, Othman combated my resolution, but I was not to be persuaded. At last he desisted and reluctantly bade me good night. You have everything that you wish for, city. His eyes roamed round the tent. The firewood stood ready. My saddlebags lay open to my hand. Everything, Athman. Good night, and enjoy yourself. His impatience to rejoin the merrymakers was very visible. But still for a moment he lingered. I wish much that you would come, city. The negro is really very funny. And I shall not be able to return here when the feast is over. You sleep in the village tonight, then? No, no, tonight I do not sleep at all. Tonight I watch and pray. Watch and pray. He repeated the word solemnly, eyeing me at the same time as though he hoped that I was duly impressed. Yes, Sidi, tonight I burn many candles at the holy tomb of my great-grandfather. It is an occasion I have looked forward to for many years. It may be that God will forgive my sins on account of his great holiness. His voice sank to a whisper of veneration. His open palm pressed his forehead, then recovering his wonted manner, he bade me good night and ran at full speed towards the village. End of section 61. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Fernand Jahangiri.